Welcome to the Work Camper Show, a podcast devoted to helping you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. I'm Steve Anderson, the president of Work Camper News. Each one of our episodes will either introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to opportunities to work short-term jobs. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Thank you, Steve. Today I'll be speaking with a full-time RVer who is a certified RV technician, but opted to specialize in a very unique niche, cleaning RV waste tanks, and she makes a very good living doing that. Today's episode is sponsored by WorkCamper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, WorkCamper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with the community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a diamond or platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. Sue Rasmussen has been living full-time in her Airstream travel trailer for more than six years. She started as a personal coach helping clients to unclutter and simplify their lives. In fact, for about 24 years, she helped women and business owners who are feeling overwhelmed to help them streamline many of their activities so they had more control over their time. Originally from Minnesota, it was easy for Sue to transition that business to a travel lifestyle because most of her coaching sessions took place online before COVID made Zoom popular. After a few years of RVing, Sue opted to attend the National RV Training Academy to learn how to better care for her own RV and fix most of the things that went wrong with it. As Sue attended classes, she realized there was a big demand for technician services. So she opted to complete all the advanced training to become a certified RV technician. During those classes, she identified a way to simplify being a technician by focusing her efforts on one particularly troublesome area, flushing RV tanks. It's a problem that impacts all RVers at some point, especially full-time RVers. Using a hydrojet, Sue thoroughly cleans each black and gray tank that are either backed up or displaying faulty sensor readings. She also gets referrals from local RV technicians who despise that type of work. Because Sue invested in the right equipment, she can do the job quickly and efficiently. She describes how she cleans the tanks and the type of equipment used to do the work. Although she lives in an RV full-time, Sue is not a full-time RV traveler. She picks an area to visit, then often stays there for six months to a year to fully immerse herself in that culture and experience all that region has to offer. To tell us more about her travel experiences and her effort to become number one in the number two business, please welcome Sue Rasmussen, the owner of Royal Flush RV Services, to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Sue. I really appreciate the time. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are. Well, uh, my name is Sue Rasmussen, and I have been full-timing in my Airstream for, it'll be six years this summer, so about five, four or five months from now. And um, I, I, I'm i in Texas, and I 
fairly recently completed my certified RV technician training. And so I've been very busy doing a whole lot of fun things related to RVing. That's wonderful. And you're in an Airstream, a travel trailer. Why'd you pick that? I am. Um, You know, I initially did not plan on RVing, to be honest. I was going to build a tiny house. And I spent two years researching. I went to a workshop. I bought plans. I did all of that. And I knew, I really knew what I wanted. And then one day I thought, well, let me just go check out some RVs and just see if there's things that the RV industry has thought of that I haven't thought of. And I went to a dealer and I, I had no idea that it was a, that they had Airstreams and I walked into the showroom and it was all Airstreams. Hmm. And I actually thought, I didn't even know they still made those. And I heard myself whisper to the sales guy. I said, can we go look at those? And of course he said, sure. sure. And I walked into one and I looked around and I said, oh, this is it. Really? So my plans completely changed in an instant. And two weeks later, I had bought it and moved in. On RV full-timing ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. An RV beats uh, a tiny house because of the ability to move locations. It's harder to move yes. a house, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and I could see that there, I mean, there's been decades of planning and experience that's gone into making these work so well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I can't get that by making it myself. So yeah, it was a, it was a no brainer because I had done so much research on what I was planning and realized what I was planning had already been done in a much better way. Airstream almost has a cult following among its, its uh, owners. <laughs> it really is. We they love are them. <laughs> brand loyal. Absolutely. Yes. So, yep. And where did you say you're from, Sue? Well, I grew up in North Dakota and have lived a whole bunch of places. Um, but before I decided to go full-time airstreaming, I was living in Minnesota. Okay. Very in the good. Minneapolis area. Oh, there's a second interview today from Minneapolis. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. And so what, what prompted you to embrace this lifestyle? Um, well, for years, I, as a, I've been a personal coach for years. And one of the things that I helped my clients do, because it was such a passion of mine, was simplifying and un- uncluttering and clearing out the excess and just simplifying everything. And I just have always loved that. And so I decided I want to see what it would be like to live in a little space with a lot less stuff. And I initially was just going to do it for a year because I, I had never gone RVing before. I'd never done really anything like it. I had no idea if I would like it or hate it. And so I just thought, I'm just going to do this for a little while and see. And it ended up that I have loved every single minute of it. I've never regretted it, not one second. And it's almost six years now. So that was the start of it. It was just an experiment to see if I could have this amazing lifestyle in a little tiny space living where I wanted to live. Now, do you travel by yourself or do you have travel companions? Um, well, basically what I do is I I don't typically travel per se. I go to a new place and I stay there for anywhere from six months to a year. So so I'm not on the road. I'm not planning on being on the road. My, I like to go to a new area of the country, live there, become sort of a an honorary local, get to really know the area, do little explorations of that. Um, and so that's how I've done it. And it's been on my own. That's so, I mean, obviously, when I go to each park, I'm around all kinds of amazing people and I have great community everywhere I go. But it's me just deciding where do I want to go next? And there I go. And 
off I'm, off I'm moving to the next thing. That sounds like a wonderful way to immerse yourself into the culture and the history and everything yeah, about a particular area. And that's exactly why I do it. Um, because I, I mean, when I was, when I was in college, I, one of my majors was French and I did a lot of traveling in Europe and it, even though I spent time there, I probably a total of a year, um, in all my studies there, but you still often feel like you're a tourist, bloop, 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 you know, one place to another. And I really do like to get to know a place and get to know it well enough. And then I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, you know, six months to a year, that's a really good amount of time. And I get to know the coffee shops and, you know, know all the people and, and that at a certain point, all the freshness and newness is gone. And I want to go to the next place and do it all over again. That's neat. Now, do you travel with any pets? Um, I did when I started. I had two little border terriers okay. and they were already old when I started mm-hmm. doing this. So they got to live out their final years with me zipping around mm-hmm. and they loved it. And now it's just me. And I've actually decided not to get any more pets for a while because it allows me to do some things that I well, there was a little harder when you're solo traveling right. with two little dogs. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So what are some of the know. favorite places that you visited or that you've lived in? Well, you know, this is the thing. I love every place that I live. And even before I started this one, actually, this is one of the reasons why I decided to start RVing too, is that even before I did, I already had lived a lot of places. I mean, I I had counted up all my moves since college and it was like 26 or something like that, you know? So I lived in obviously North Dakota and Minnesota, but I spent time a summer in Alaska. I spent, I lived in Arizona. I lived in California. So I lived a whole bunch of places before I started RVing and I, cause I figured I don't seem to be stopping with the moving all the time. So let's just make it part of the plan <laughs> instead of assuming I'll find a place. And every single place that I've ever been, I have loved. I mean, I, one of the place that stands out in my mind, just because it's pretty exotic for a gal who grew up in the Midwest. Um, but I, I, I had a, a location in Florida where I was on the edge of a lake and it was in a beautiful RV park. So it was, we had all the amenities, um, but there were four alligators that lived in the lake wow. and we had um, sandhill cranes. I watched them raise their baby and teach it how to fly and teach it how to eat right in my yard. Um, and so that was really unique for me because of the wildlife. There was so, there were so many amazing birds there. And like I said, I got to, I got to watch alligators every single day, right out my window. And they, I know they never came up on land. That would have been a little nerve wracking mm-hmm. for me if they came close, but they were always in the lake. Um, far enough away that, you know, I was very aware of them, but I loved that. That's very cool. Yeah. You don't get that kind of options when you're living in Minnesota. No, no. And you know, you miss a lot of that when you're living in a house, I have to say. Um, you're, you're so close to the outdoors when you're sitting in your airstream, you know, you, you, and you get, I mean, you want to be out in it, out in the outdoors because your home is small. And so I just found that, you know, the, the more that I move to different places, I get a chance to explore things like that and actually be with that again, a little bit differently than if I were just there for a week mm-hmm. and just visiting and watching really quick and then moving on. I mean, I actually got to watch, like I said, the Sandhill cranes raise their baby from baby, oh. baby, baby, till it was up and flying and practically ready to move out. I mean, you wouldn't get that kind of experience if you're just visiting and moving around. And it's amazing how quickly that happens too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All day, a couple <laughs> yes. of months. It's not like humans where you have mm-hmm. to nurture them for 18 years before you <laughs> right. can push them out of the nest. Yeah. yeah I would have, I would not have seen that whole process if it was that long. <laughs> I would have moved on by then. 
<laughs> now, when you first started, were you work camping to support yourself? No, actually, no. And I had never even really heard of work camping um, when I first started. And I have, I've had one work camping experience and it's been amazing. And it, w- it was sort of one of those things that came together in a very beautiful way. But I absolutely have loved work camping and I highly recommend it for anybody who's thinking about doing this lifestyle, especially if you want to have some pretty unique experiences because I personally love to be behind the scenes and see how things work. So I've gotten to be behind the scenes, not only at a really active um, RV park that has a purpose behind it because it's connected to the National RV Training Academy, which is where I did my training. That's why I was here. Um, But I got to see a lot of what was going on behind the scenes at the training academy too. got to really know everybody there, got to know the people at the park. And I would never have had all of that just rich, rich experience unless I was work camping. Mm -hmm. So it was such a, an unexpected blessing to me again, because I really love the behind the scenes thing. And I've got to talk to a lot of other work campers who have done other amazing things. I know people that went up and work camped in Alaska and um, they were taking care of a bird wildlife refuge. And another um, couple that I know were headed off to do work camping at a lighthouse up in the Northwest. Um, Just some amazing different kinds of opportunities for people to do. And in my case, it was nice because I was in the middle of transitioning with the work that I'm doing. I was able to be here and the work camping basically was in exchange for my site and all of that. And that was a really great benefit to me at the time um, because I was making a lot of decisions and taking classes and just doing a whole lot of changing. So it gave me a, a foundation and stability that let me walk through that transition without having to really scramble or you know, I was just able to really have that base. So it was great. Before you started doing what you're doing now, what were you doing to mm-hmm. support yourself? Um, I've been a um, life coach for 22, actually 24 years. Um, And so I coached women, um, women business owners, women entrepreneurs who were feeling overwhelmed and overwhelmed by time, stuff, activities, and I helped them streamline all of that. So I've been doing that. So I led lots of groups. I did a lot of Zoom stuff before Zoom was a thing, Um, all kinds of groups and individual coaching. So that's what I've been doing forever. And it was very easy for me to transition into RVing because I was already doing every single thing with my business virtually. Um, I've never met most of my clients ever. And so I was able to just get on, go on the road. And if I hadn't told them, they would have no idea that I was even in my Airstream or moving around. They loved it, of course. So mm-hmm. it, you know, I did tell them, but I, if I hadn't, they would never have known. That's wonderful. And um, yeah. Yep. You went in a different direction though. You went to the National RV Training Academy to learn how to be an RV technician. What prompted that? Well, <laughs> well, the initial prompting was simply me as an RV owner because I was an RV owner, but I still didn't really know how to, I mean, I hired RV technicians to do the maintenance on, you know, you have to do maintenance on your water heater and your furnace and all the, all the little things that you have to do, just like you have to do on a house, you need to do maintenance on in your RV. And I thought, you know, um, I don't, I would love to learn how to do all that stuff. I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that because I've never done any of that before, but I figured if other people could learn how to do it, so could I. And so I found 
the National RV Training Academy, which ended up being about an hour and a half away from where I had been at the time. And I had, I didn't know anything about them. So I drove, he drove here. I'm here right now. So I drove here and did a tour of the school and talked to the owners and initially bought the home study program. And as I was going through that, I realized I need to actually do the in-person training. So it initially began for myself just to learn how to do this and feel more comfortable, whether I ended up doing my own maintenance or repairs or not. I would feel at least comfortable that I could ask the right questions and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I started. And then as I continued to go into the classes and I realized I actually really like this stuff that maybe I, you know, maybe I do want to actually do this. Um, there's, there's a very strong need for it. Um, there's a very strong need for women to be involved in it. And I thought, you know, I could do this. And so that's where I started to really take this seriously because I saw that it was a real thing. I could do it. I was capable of doing it. I enjoyed it. Uh, and so I also, because I didn't want to do all the things related to an RV, because I have a little, I have a little RV, obviously, you know, my 25 foot Airstream is not huge and I have a little vehicle. I decided I don't want to do all the possible things that an RV technician can do. And I just decided to specialize in one thing, partly because it's unusual and not that many people do it. Um, and partly because I could then streamline, because again, I'm <laughs> simplifying, that's, that's sort of the core of who I am. I could streamline my equipment and my tools and the parts I needed to carry and do one thing and get really, really good at it that people really needed. So I, I only do one thing, even though I'm certified to do all kinds of things. Um, and I basically, I hydro jet clean RV black and gray tanks until people bring me in when they either have um, their sensors are misreading. So they don't know how much is in their gray tanks or their black tanks, or they have odor because of them. Um, or because they're clogged or, you know, all those fun things having to do with human waste and shower water and toilet water and all that kind of stuff. So basically I'm like the plumbing, not quite plumbing, but septic stuff of the RV world. And there aren't very many of us who know how to do this. There aren't very many at all um, who know how to do this. And so people bring me in, I do that kind of work. And then I refer all the other work out to other RV techs. So the RV techs a lot of, I get a lot of referrals from RV technicians because they do not want to do the tanks. And then I refer all the other stuff right back to them. So that's my specialty. And I've been doing it for three or four months now. And it's the most unexpected thing that I think I could have imagined ever doing. And I fully enjoy it. So I picked a niche that I really like. It's very unusual. And I basically said, I'm going to be the poop lady. So that's what I am. So you're number one in the number two business. Uh, exactly. And there's a million of those. <laughs> there's a million of those one-liners and I love all of them. <laughs> that's right. So, and talk about a niche. Everybody needs this. Eventually, if you're yes. in an RV full-time, your, your tanks yes. are just going to get dirty. There's no way to they avoid are. it. And so you come in no, with, exactly. do you have special equipment that you use? I do. I have specialized, basically pressure washer equipment with specialized nozzles that somebody would use for a, basically a sewer jetter is what they are. And I, I basically come up through the outside into the tanks with a special pressurized hose, jetter hose, and special nozzles, and I power wash the inside of the tanks. And yes, it's it's unusual. <laughs> And um, it's one of those things, like like you said, everybody needs. And my favorite part of what I do is because people are always 
surprised at what comes out. And so I invite my clients to come and take a look <laughs> as I'm, as things are coming out to say, look what was in your gray tank. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. So on my, from my perspective, it's almost like the more, the more yucky, what comes out, the better, because then <laughs> people can really see, Oh, you know, this is what builds up in there after a while. And it's good to get it out because they're going to have everything from black mold to hunks of grease to struvite, which is basically hardened rock that forms in there. Like there's all kinds of stuff that people have no idea. So it's very satisfying for me to see all that leave because then all the tank problems people have, those are gone. In addition to including things like extra weight, because when you got a lot of stuff gunking up the tanks, it can actually, if the, if it gets heavy enough, it can drop the tanks right out of the RV. So they'll fall out or the pipes will fall out because it gets so heavy. So yeah, uh, it's fun to watch all that stuff come out and then have people go off and their tanks are working great again. Now, do you insert like a video device in there so that you can see the areas of the tank that you need to be cleaning? Um, like a camera? Yes. Um, I, I do sometimes if I need to know something. Otherwise, no, because I know what I know what there's going to be need to be cleaned. Um, I do if I need to check, for example, if we've got a toilet clog, because I do do that too. So if there's like a fifth wheel with a, a really long pipe that goes from the toilet down to the tank, those are very susceptible to having problems. And so I'll take my endoscope or boroscope camera and I'll go down there and just ensure that we've removed all of that before we flush it out. Um, so yes, I do have that. I don't use it on every job because I know what's going to be in there. I use it mainly if there's going to be a clog so that we make sure that it's all out. That's neat. What well, can I ask what you charge to flush out a tank or a system? Like sure. That? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So if I've got my base is um, if an RV has two tanks, um, then I charge 250 for that. And each additional tank is 75. So depending on, you know, some fifth wheels have three tanks, some have four. So it just goes accordingly. That's neat. And so how do you market this? The thing that I do, and it's mainly because it's my, one of my favorite things to do is I lead presentations at either RV parks or rallies. And I teach people some of the most common issues that they're going to have with their tanks. And then the most common mis, um, misinformation, basically, that they're being taught on all kinds of very popular websites that's wrong on how to take care of their tank. And then I tell them what to do instead. So my, I, my teaching is to really help people learn how do I properly care for my tanks? What can I avoid doing? Because a lot of things that people are told to do are actually making their tanks worse. So I teach them how to pr properly take care of their tanks. And then from there, you know, and answer questions and do all of that. And then from there, if people want to get on my mailing list, my emailing list, they can, or if they want to get their tanks cleaned, they can say, Hey, now that I know more, I'd like to get my tanks cleaned because I, I show them, for example, what struvite looks like. I've got examples of struvite. Struvite is, I mentioned it a minute ago, most people don't know what it is. It's, it's, and it's, it's not just um, something that happens to RVs. It happens in septic systems, in marine tank systems. Um, struvite is a result of off-gassing of human waste. So it is a, just a byproduct of what happens with human waste. And it happens often quickly in the black tanks of RVs. And it's a it starts off by forming like a thin layer of sand or rock and it'll keep forming and it can build up to, I mean, I've seen it a quarter of an inch, a half an inch 
built up around the tank on the inside. It can build up all around the pipes, the valves, all that good stuff. And so I show people what that looks like. Um, I show them examples of it because I have like I have some that I've taken out of tanks and put in jars so people can mm-hmm. see it. And a lot of people, once they understand what's really going on in the tank, they want to get a good clean baseline. And so they'll hire me to come and get a baseline. And, and again, most people, even though they've been doing all kinds of things to try to keep their tanks clean, you know, they're 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 definitely sincere in wanting to keep their tanks cleaned. When I come out and clean their tanks, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them out and I'll say, hey, do you want to look at what's coming out of your black tank for black or your gray tank for a moment? And they'll go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe what's coming out. And so um, that's been my best marketing is to do a presentation. I love giving them and then to really teach people how to properly care for them. And because of that, many people, I mean, they're, they want to get things working right. They already know they have problems. They have odor in the, you know, the odor in the tanks, or they've already got their sensors are misreading and they just want to clear all that up so that they can get going right again. Do you have to use special chemicals to dislodge this or is the high pressure from the pressure system enough? Well, the work that I do, I, it's just water. It's, you know, like it's, it is a high pressure washer so it's going to loosen everything up that's how i I basically tell people we're going in there and we're going to clear out the grand canyon there's layers of stuff over time that have built up in there and initially what's going to come out is the most recent stuff that's softer and that's you know on the on the more surfacey but then we're going to go into the deeper stuff and you're going to see things that are coming off the walls and things that are peeling away so people can watch it um, and you can see the different layers that are coming off as they're coming off. So I just use water. I do teach people about the right and wrong chemicals too. And I actually don't, I suggest people don't use chemicals in their tanks. There are some tank treatments that they can use, but I tell them which ones, what kinds not to use, because there's a lot, a lot of the most popular tank treatments actually are chemicals and they will, they will make the problems in your tank a thousand times worse and they're the ones that are available everywhere so i tell people these are the things not to use all the most popular stuff don't use those here's a here's a few options that are going to be much much better and here's why and And so and i don't sell that stuff i just tell them that here's where you can get it here's how to find it so that way they're super informed and most people they they that's one of the first things they do they get the right tank products they have me come out and clean everything and then they're really going to be good to go mhm now i know what you're talking about because some of those chemicals they go there and there and they kill the bacteria and yep. things like that to cause mm-hmm. to reduce the odors and the campgrounds mm-hmm. hate that because when yeah. the tanks are flushed into their system that crap goes into the campground system and starts killing all the bacteria that they need to properly maintain yes. their own septic system. So do yep. what do you- well, and the other thing that the chemicals can do is they, they can actually harden everything that's in there. So toilet paper, waste, instead of doing what they say, that'll do breaking it down. Instead, it'll make it like a brick. So you oh. think you're doing the best you can. And instead you're actually creating rock formations in there. Mm-hmm which is what we don't want. Obviously we don't want things getting hard and sticking in there because you want it all to come out. But a lot of chemicals actually make the, they, they increase the rate of struvite production because they react with the off gassing and they harden everything that's in there. So yeah, they're not a good, they're not a good idea. How often do people have to clean their tanks? 
I recommend for people, especially if you're full-timing or using them a lot, but every year to year and a half, just think of it like a maintenance thing. Um, and if you're using the proper chemicals and or it's chemicals, the proper tank treatment, you're going to be able to notice when it's time. So again, I, I tell people about a year to a year and a half. And if you notice anything like the sensors start misreading again, or you do notice any odor, then go a little bit sooner. But most people, they're going to be fine. Okay. You know, year, year and a half, it's going to be, your tanks are going to work great. You're going to not notice any problems. And it's one of those things where, as you, you know, as you've, like you said, the, I mean, the tanks are a big deal. If they're working fine, you don't even think about them. But the minute they stop working well, that's when pe that, then they affect all day long, every day, whether it's the smell or you can't flush the toilet or you, whatever, um, you can't dump them properly. There's all kinds of things that become a big issue really fast when the tanks aren't working right. You had mentioned there are some common misconceptions that people have about their tank maintenance. Can you outline mm -hmm. a few of those? One of them that's my favorite is how to flush your toilet. And it might not seem like it's tank maintenance related, but it absolutely is. Um, because I'm not going to say that all the problems come from the black tank because they absolutely don't. Many times the gray tanks are actually dirtier than the black tanks. I've seen worse things come out of gray tanks. But the black tanks um, are, especially with um, some of the fifth wheels or the, the RVs that have longer piping that goes from the toilet down to the tank, they are very prone to clogging or having issues like that. And so one of the ways, an easy way to help um, to help alleviate that is to flush the toilet properly. So most people have heard, oh, you need to use a lot of water. And so what most people do is they just push down on the foot pedal and just let the water run in there for a while. You know, just have the ball valve open and water just goes down into the tank. And actually what you, what you need is a combination of two things, volume of water. So the amount of water, but also the weight of the water. And so rather than just pushing the foot pedal down and letting water run down the, you know, run down into the tank, what you want to do either before you go to the bathroom or after you go to the bathroom um, and before you flushed, fill the bowl all the way to the top and then flush. Because what you're doing then is you are having the water go down in one big rush. It's got all the weight behind it. And so it gives a chance to wash everything down the pipes because some of the pipes are, they, they, they don't just go straight down. They have several 90 degree angles on them, which is to me, it's basically like rolling a boulder down the hill and you got obstacles all along the way. So you want the water to have the weight to push it all down. And then at the bottom of the drop, to have that weight um, just, you know, push everything away from the spot right below the end of the drop, because otherwise you're going to have a strong likelihood of a pyramid growing there. And the pyramid is basically the pile of toilet paper and waste that piles up and that basically doesn't move and it'll move right up the pipe. I have cleaned several toilets where, or um, toilet clogs, where the entire, I had about five feet of um, pipe that was completely clogged and the waste just hadn't gone anywhere. It just kind of kept piling on top of each other. And so doing the toilet flushing properly is one of the biggest things that will help with that black tank. And I tell people, it's going to be boring. You're going to feel like you're standing there forever trying to fill that toilet bowl up, but it is the one thing that will do the most to help with your black tank getting clogged. Cause you don't want that black tank clogged. <laughs> 
that's one of those things that stops the RV fun pretty darn quickly <laughs> is if you've got an issue like that going on and you can't flush the toilet, you can't use the toilet and it smells and you can't do anything. I mean, that is miserable for people. Right. So that's one of my favorite tips. Now, when you show it up at, you're at an area for a several months to a year. So you have mm -hmm. to be doing local marketing and you had mentioned that you go to like seminars and things like that. Are you doing those seminars at the campgrounds in the area or is at RV shows? How are you letting people know um, that you're available? Well, basically I'm doing them at, um, at an RV park, like at the RV parks themselves, because many, not all, but many RV parks will have activities for their members, for their guests. If the guests want to come and they'll just invite their guests and they can come watch a quick presentation, ask questions. And believe me, there's always a lot of questions about the tanks. People ask everything you can mm -hmm. imagine. What kind of toilet paper should I be using? You know, I mean, all kinds of things. This topic gets a lot of people interested and people are always trying to figure out how to make sure they're cleaning their tanks right. So that's one way. Or I'll get invited to come into a rally that's already happening. And, that you know, I've got a rally coming up at the end of this month. And I'm being invited in to do a presentation on the first morning of the rally. So people are all coming. There's like a hundred RVs that are coming in. And um, and then if then I'll still I'll stay there if people while they are at the rally want me to clean their tanks. So because there are not that many of us that do this, if I'm at a rally and I come in and I let them know, hey, this is how you take care of your tank. And I'm here for the next couple of days while you are here. If you want me to clean your tanks, now's a great time. Because when they go back home, they are likely not going to be able to find somebody who does this because there are only right now about 20 people that do this in the country um, that, that do it and that really know how to do it because it is a there's a lot more to it than people think and it took me a while to actually get really good at being able to get in the tanks and really do it properly mm -hmm. so that's one of the to me it's a really nice way for me to not only teach people some really helpful information but then also let them know hey i'm here um, and if you want me to do this while you're here, let's get it done. So I don't do local advertising. I don't, and I don't intend to, that's not part of my plan. Uh, my plan is to work with people either at parks or um, connect with other RV technicians in the area or people who rent RVs or RV dealerships, basically to let them know that I'm there. I'm here for a little while. If this is something you need, let's help you out. Um, and I found that it's worked really well. That's great. And I believe you when you say that there are not a lot of competitors. When I was a teenager, mm -hmm. I used to clean grease, tra grease traps for oh. restaurants. Nobody wanted yes. to do that job. And I just yes. figured out a way to do it. And they paid me extra to get in there and do it. If there were yeah. some enterprising people who don't mind the, 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 just the nastiness of this, who wanted mm -hmm. to learn how to do that, is that something you'd teach them how to do? I actually do not. Um, okay. I may at some point, but I don't right now. I mean, it's right now, honestly, my focus is on my clients and doing the best job that I can with them. And if I started teaching, it would actually completely split my energy into two. That I've had would. people ask me. Um, I So I, I actually created a little really simple, here's how you can get started, not with me. I mean, I'm not training people how to do it, but there are a couple of training organizations or companies that do train people. Um, they've got some hefty price tags on them, but they both do train people to do them. And they also, they, they not just train you how to do them, but they really support you with their marketing and their branding and all that. And I actually did not go that route because I didn't, I mean, I have a marketing background and I didn't need 
a huge bulk of what they were offering. But for a lot of people, if you wanted something pretty darn turnkey, that would be the way to go. So I always let people know that if you, it's something you're interested in, I'll be happy to send you an email. And I've, you know, I've done a bunch of research on my own process and I'll send you the things I've you know learned about like who's, who's offers training and what kind of basic equipment do you need? And I'm happy to send that to people just so that they can have a place to start and kind of look into it. But okay. yeah, like I said, I don't train people how to do it. It's not part of what my priority is right mm-hmm. now. Cause I really like doing the work and that's where my focus is. Okay. And now you're in Texas now. What's next? Where I are you going to go after this? Um, I'm going to go farther South in Texas. So I'm just in the process of getting all of that figured out. So that will have to be sort of on the, Ooh, there's a little, uh, teaser, but I'm going to be moving farther South in Texas. I've been in Texas for a while and I've moved around to a couple of different places now. And I, there's so much in Texas to see and learn. And there's so many different climates and things going on here. So I think I could spend a lot of time just moving around and living in different parts of Texas because I, I really enjoy it here. It is. It's a big state and people don't realize how big it is until they have to start driving through it. Oh, yeah, it's huge. And the, the beauty of it is, like I said, you could you could have, I'm not sure how many, but you could have dozens of different, completely different um, climates and landscape and sort of feel and vibe. And that's what's so fun about it is you can go not super far away and have a completely different experience. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a fun state. That's great. Now, have you had any pushback from campgrounds uh, when you come in there and do that kind of service? Nope. Nope. I haven't. Because you're actually helping their septic systems as well. You're not bringing Mm -hmm. chemicals into it and things like that and telling people to avoid the things that are causing them problems. Okay. Right. Super. So do you have any advice for people who are considering becoming a work camper or pursuing the RV lifestyle full-time or running a business from their own RV? Do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay. (laughs) I just love it so much. And there's, I think the thing, you know, whether you're work camping or retired or wanting to start some kind of a business or taking your business on the road, there are so many opportunities. And the, I remember when I decided to buy mine, I was sitting at the dealer and I was you know, kind of at that point of making the decision about buying my Airstream. And I actually had the thought, who do I need to ask for permission that I can do this? And I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting there on my, by myself and I went, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to give myself permission. That's the only one I need to ask. And so when I decided to say yes, which is always scary when you're making, you know, doing something different or big or whatever, um, everything just started to unfold and it's been wonderful. It's been challenging. I've had to learn different things, which is part of why I like it. Um, but the, the possibilities are, are really endless, you know, with work camping, like I said, there's tons of interesting and opportunities all over the place. Um, there's a lot more opportunities than you would think. Um, and so if you're wanting to to get involved or have, I mean, it does offset that. Again, for me, the great thing was it really offset the cost of what I was doing at the time. I was spending a lot of money on my training and I was, so I was, there's a lot of money going out and this way was a really easy way for me to have to basically balance that a little bit um, because then I wasn't going, okay, I also need to pay for my site and all of that kind of stuff. So it was just a nice little foundation. And for a lot of people, it can actually be part of their, just their lifestyle. I know a lot of people that actually do work camping as their lifestyle and it, it helps them 
make RVing even easier from a financial standpoint and, and get lots of opportunities that, like I said, you wouldn't get any other way, be behind the scenes doing interesting things. And some of the things are pretty, you know, pretty mundane and boring. When I first, and I shouldn't say, well, they can be, you know, when I first got here, a lot of what I did was work in, um, work in the, I cleaned the bathrooms and cleaned the clubhouses. And I re- actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it was, I got up early, but there's nothing glamorous about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a way for me to really keep the park looking the way that I like it. I knew that it was going to be really clean for me and for everybody else, cleaned the cabins and the tiny houses here. So I did that. I've also been um, doing a lot of work in the office. So I got to see the behind the scenes of how does a RV park actually run and get involved with, you know, meeting all of the people that I was checking in, all the new campers and seeing them leave. And so I really got to see a lot of different aspects of just how does this RV park run um, and do everything that I could to help make it even better. You know, that was my, that was my goal is I'm here. I want to have a great experience. And really luckily for me, I'm at a park that already is doing such an amazing job of supporting its guests and always looking for ways to improve. So I got to be part of that. Um, So yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. There's just an endless amount of opportunity. If you just decide, I want to do this. I mean, that's really all you need to decide. I want to do this. And once you've decided, then you just start looking, you start, you know, making it happen. And it's here, it's going to be easier than you think to do that was for me anyway. So yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm a big cheerleader for this lifestyle. Well, Sue, this has been interesting. Certainly, you have a fascinating business as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's just the right market. (laughs) I like it. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's portable. You can take it anywhere. Uh, Marketing would be relatively easy. I would just think you show the video of what comes out of the tanks and it's like, okay, sign me (laughs) up. But uh, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I'd like to thank Sue Rasmussen for sharing her story and talking about her business, Royal Flush RV Services. Although she enjoyed being a Minnesota resident, Sue started RVing because she wanted to experience different cultures and travel experiences. One of her favorite experiences has enabled Sue to live on the edge of a lake in Florida where she watched alligators and sandhill cranes every day. Although she has had just one traditional work camping job, she has met many work campers over the years and she highly recommends the lifestyle to anyone contemplating travel, but concerned about how to fund it. She liked her work camping job because it gave her behind the scenes access to the RV park and let her meet many new people. But when she decided to specialize in RV tank cleaning, Sue really liked that work too because she provides an important service needed by all RVers. When people see what comes out of their holding tanks, Sue's customers are even more grateful for the work she does. I love Sue's example because she found a niche to provide a service everyone needs, but few have the desire to offer. She is rewarded for her effort because people are willing to pay her well to take care of a problem nobody else wants to touch. Sue earns $250 to flush a gray and black tank and another $75 for each additional tank, if necessary. It's not glamorous, but it is a viable mobile business that Sue can do anywhere she wants to travel. Campgrounds appreciate Sue because she doesn't use any bacteria-killing chemicals to clean the tanks, which means she's not hurting the RV park's septic system. I also love the very imaginative name she gave her business, Royal Flush RV Services. You can connect with Sue and learn more about her business 
by visiting www.royalflushrv.com. Today's episode is sponsored by The Dreamer's Journey. It's an online course and community produced by WorkCamper News. Life is way too short to keep your dreams on hold, so don't be held back by fear because you were designed for more. Get started in the RV lifestyle the right way with this comprehensive guide. For just $29.95 for one year of access, Dreamers have unlimited viewing of 50 plus videos to learn things like what type of RV to buy, goal setting, how to budget for the adventure, developing a positive mindset, setting up a domicile, and operating a small business on the road, plus everything about work camping and how to find the right job for you. Each video is 30 to 90 minutes long to give an in-depth coverage on each topic. There's no wrong time to get started. So for more information, visit www.rvdreamersjourney.com. That's all I have for this week's show. Next week, I'll be talking with a ranger from a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers project in southern Massachusetts who is looking for volunteer work campers this summer. I'll have that interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.